0: A few weeks ago in our text in verse 12, he laid forth the theme for the remainder of this chapter, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. We have in our church somehow, some way, and I'm not just speaking about Shawnee Hills Baptist Church and talking about the church in general, somehow we've gotten this notion that we should have special treatment because we're followers of Christ. If you get a chance, I've, I've recommended this before. If you ever get a chance to watch the documentary called The American Gospel, you desperately need to watch that because it will explain some of these things that's going on. And what has happened is the prosperity gospel has trickled into the church and it says this: if you, you know, if you're a in Christ that you're never going to suffer, you're never going to have pain, you're never going to have sorrow, you're never going to have to deal with difficult issues. Everything is going to be great if you claim it in Jesus' name. There's only one problem with that. Every one of the disciples except one were martyred. And the one that was not martyred was boiled and banished on the Isle of Patmos. Countless people throughout church history have died for the cause of Christ. And somehow in our churches, we've got this notion that our comfort is more important to God than our character. We have inverted it. God is far more concerned about your character than He is your comfort. So if you've come today to be encouraged... I'm here to encourage you. Last week we saw that being believers, honoring Christ as good citizens is our responsibility. This week honoring Christ at work. If we go back to the time at this writing, Rome was the empire. It is estimated that approximately one-third to one-half of Rome were made up of slaves. Slaves. One-third to one-half. One um, noted historian said approximately 60 million people throughout the Roman Empire were slaves. No doubt Some of these people that had come to faith in Christ in this book of Peter, to whom Peter is speaking, they came to faith in Christ and they found themselves a new creation, but still in slavery. Slavery is horrible. Slavery was never commended by God. And it is said, it is estimated by historians, that by the 4th century, much of that slavery had been reduced. And guess who the people's group that were most behind the diminishment of it in the Roman Empire? Born-again Christians. Born-again Christians. How do I tell you that? Because I want you to see that this is not some little easy text that we just preach and we say, okay. Because none of us in here are slaves, but many of us have a job. And sometimes you might feel like a slave. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever heard of a guy named Johnny Paycheck? Why do you know the name Johnny Paycheck? Take this job and... I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Your deacon said it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, one preacher, Skip Isaac, was preaching this text and he took the, the title of his sermon was Take This Job and Love It. Play on words. But this word for servant in our text this morning is not the normal Greek word doulos. For servant is a different, it means a, a household servant, a slave. Now, interestingly enough, this could be a doctor, someone that was educated, all the way down to a menial slave that did menial tasks. So it was far encompassing of a word. And he starts off and tells us a command a command. And as I say, our application here is not because we're slaves, but our application would apply to us in our jobs. Verse 18, here's the command Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. The command is that we are to be submissive to our masters with all fear. Fear means reverence in this text. Now, watch what he says not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. As a born-again believer in Christ, we need to know that our employee-employer relationship matters to God. You can't be claiming the name of Jesus Christ and being a scallywag, work disregarding what your boss says not showing up and when you're at work not doing your job and be right with God Peter is giving a command and he understands the severity of the servant mastership in master in the relationship in this text the word for master literally can be literated into our English language and meaning tyrant. Much of our lives is spent in turmoil needlessly. Because someone on the job told us to do something and we didn't like it and we said this, it's not my job. Apparently you've never been in the army. Because there's an addendum that they always told us, and Steve McClinnan can probably quote this, at the bottom it said, and all other duties assigned. In other words, whatever your leader told you is what you're going to do. But we don't have that mentality. We live in... And and it's funny because we complain about our our generation and an entitlement generation, but we go to work and we don't want to do our job. And much of our turmoil is self-inflicted because we cannot let things go. Do you know what my boss said to me? Who cares why you want to let your boss control you? Go home at 5 o'clock... And don't think about your boss. If you're going to be bitter and you're going to harbor unforgiveness in your heart, there's a Chinese proverb that says, dig two graves. Dig two graves. One for you because you'll go to the ground with that bitterness. It's a command. God is concerned with your character, not your comfort. God knows your boss is an idiot. God knows that. He's not saying, Oh, I didn't think about that when I gave him that job, that he would have to deal with that person. God knows all of that. And there's the command to be submissive. <clears throat> to be submissive. You don't have to fight your boss. You say, well, my boss gives me all the terrible jobs. You know what? You're getting paid the same. Do the job and go home. But you don't understand. You're right, I don't understand. I'm not where you are. But I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and I'm telling you, if you want to carry that baggage, and you want to hate your life, you go ahead and do it. But the reason He's telling us to be submissive is when you submit, you let it go. And it no longer has control over you. Now, if you are the boss, maybe you ought to think about this and pray about the way you lead. He does not say be submissive to your boss only if he's good and gentle, because many of you have had many bosses. Some of you sitting back and saying, "I'm retired. This don't apply to me. I'll get you in a minute. I'll get you in a minute." I better turn that off. We might get some feedback here. Just wheel and reel out. Listen. When you submit, you let go of your rights. When you let go of your rights, you have peace. And that's what we need. And Peter's telling them. He's telling them, listen. Let go of it. Submit to them. You might have had good bosses and you might have had bad bosses. But the bottom line is, God has given you your job, whatever it is. And you have a duty as a believer in Jesus Christ to follow this command to be submissive to your boss. Now there's a challenge in all this. Notice, look here in verse 19. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongly. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God? Here's the challenge. The challenge is this. Peter is saying, listen, there's going to be times in your work career, in your life, when people are going to oppress you and they're going to put pressure on you and it's going to be miserable for you on the job. And if you take it patiently and you keep your character intact and you do this as unto the Lord and not to them, you know what's going to happen? You're going to please God. That word commendable means please. The Lord is pleased. God will be pleased with you over you fuming, fighting, and fussing. Why? Because fuming, fighting, and fussing is only hurting you. You're the one that's at home, worried about it, aggravated about it, and they're off doing their merry thing. The challenge is not when you got a good boss and doing your job. How many of you... Well, I don't want to do that. We're on Facebook. Never mind. I was going to ask you how many of you love your jobs, but don't raise your hand. Everybody loves their job. (laughs) Some people actually hate to go to work. They hate their job. you know what? A lot of it is just attitude. Harvard, listen, Harvard did a survey. They did a study on people that were hired and asked bosses why they chose one candidate over another. In 80% of all the cases, you know why they chose one candidate over another? Not that that candidate was more qualified, but based on the candidate's attitude. We've already learned that we are to have an attitude of submission. Well, this place couldn't survive without me. Yes, it could. Yes, it could. And, and we think that we're the only ones. <coughs> the challenge comes not when things are The challenge comes when the harsh... Leader is oppressing you and suffering because you're doing your job and it's never good enough, but you keep doing it anyways. God wants us to be good employees. But I'll tell you this. Many people hate their job because of their own attitude. Their own attitude. had a fellow tell me one time, I'd quit my job if I didn't make so much money. That's your problem. Your problem is you're not doing this as unto the Lord. You know what the Bible says? Whatever the hand finds to do it, do it heartily as unto the Lord. That's the new... That because we're believers in Christ. And let me tell you something. There have been people who have a negative taste about Christianity because they have had employees that are lousy, lazy, and couldn't hit a hammer. Couldn't think of something else to say. Couldn't work a lick. Wouldn't work a lick. See, what I want you to see is the challenge is learning to to view oppressive situations as opportunities. How many of you believe that God's in control? How many of you believe that God will put you where He wants you? How many of you believe that you're right where God wants you to be? Wow! From one to three, the hands went. The challenge is learning to view oppressive situations as opportunities. Uh, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter six, verses five and six. If you allow me to read that to you, bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as To Christ. The submission is, I am doing this to Christ, not my oppressive boss. Verse 6, not with eye service, not just doing it when they're looking, as men-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from their heart. It's the attitude. It is the attitude. And attitudes are contagious. Have you ever noticed if you hang around with negative people, you become negative? Anybody else? <laughs> I have a friend who's a preacher. And every time... I shouldn't say this. Lord, help me. Nobody knows who I'm talking about but me and the Lord. And, uh, but every time someone else would preach like we have a special service or something, and, and, and they'd preach, this guy would act like that preacher that preached. Every one of them. I mean, even so much as one time, one guy was hacking and he was hacking. You know what hacking is, right? And he was hacking. It does. Who you hang around with, what you read, what you watch, influences you. And if you hang around with people at the job who really are just being negative to get you negative because. They want to be above you. They want to advance. And if they bring you down, then you're out of their way and they're two-faced. And you listen to that garbage, you'll be drawn in. But remember, our attitude is, I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this for my boss. I'm doing this for God. Now you say, okay, I'm, I'm retired. Okay, let's just talk about our service to the Lord then. Let's talk about service to the Lord. Because, listen, God's getting less and less service of His people anymore. we got too much going on. We can't serve the Lord. And we still ought to be doing service to Him. He is our master. And we ought to be doing service to Him, even if it's difficult, even if we've got a lot of things going on. The challenge is learning to view these situations as opportunities. When I go to work tomorrow, I'm going to do the very best I can. When I serve in the church, I'm going to do the very best I can. Why? Because I'm doing it for Christ. I'm not doing it for anyone else. I've said this numerous of times. The church I grew up in was a very active church, and we had a, a man named Billy Knoll. Billy Knoll was a, a great Marine. He was, I mean, he was a Marine. He had a car wreck, and he was um, in a coma for I don't know how long. But as a result, his speech was changed, his hand was turned up, and he had one leg straight, and he walked like this. Billy Knoll would stand at the door of the Abundant Life Baptist Church, and everyone that came in, he was known as a candy man. He had candy for everybody. He would kiss you whether you wanted to kiss or not, greet the brother with a kiss, and he would just pucker up and kiss you. Ladies, you came in, you got a kiss from Billy Knoll, and, and nobody ever really... I got a kiss from Billy Nall. He just kissed me on the cheek, and I, I love Billy. Today, To this day, if I go back home, and, and Billy's not in good, real good health, I think he's now in a wheelchair, but he still like, and he'll reach in his hand, his pocket, and he'll pull out a bag of candy and hand me a bag of candy. I was driving through Proctorville one day on my lunch break, and I look over at Fruit Pharmacy, and there I see Billy Nall, one step, pushing a broom, one step, pushing a broom at least once a week on Route 7 at the entrance to our church. It was a big blacktop entrance down to the church. He would be out there sweeping the gravel. Didn't ask. I was on staff. He'd come and get my keys. He'd pull my car around. He'd wash my car. He'd wash the senior pastor's car. He'd cook breakfast on Saturday morning for the bus workers. Never, ever missed a service. He would go visit the hospital. He would, he would do things in the community for people. Why? Because he was doing it for the Lord. He wasn't doing it for himself. And all of us have all of our faculties and we can move and we're healthy and we can do these things and we give God such little bit of our time and when we do, we complain because someone else is getting credit or someone else has this job and I have to do that job. Oh, Thank God He's a merciful God. Well, someone said this to me, I'm just going to quit. You showed them, didn't you? You're the one that's going to stand before God. Not them, you. The challenge is that we continually meet this command and we do it with an attitude of gratitude. God, thank you. I know it's tough sometimes. But thank you, God. I have some friends... Or some acquaintances, I would say, that are looking for jobs. And in this, jobs everywhere, everybody's going, there's jobs everywhere, complaining they can't find a job. One person was applied somewhere and they said, You're too qualified. Too qualified. We ought to be thankful for what we have. You see, we've become a, an overflated, egotistical nation that's not grateful for anything. And the challenge is learning to view oppressive situations as opportunities. Now listen, we have the command, we have the challenge. Now here's the call. Because here's the real issue. This is the real issue. Verse 21, For to this you were called. Pay pay close attention. This is what you were called to. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that this is our calling, you should follow His steps. How did Jesus follow His steps? Let me tell you how Jesus, or how, how do we follow His steps? What did Jesus do? Look at verse 22. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth. Who when He was reviled, did not revile in return. He's submissive. He submitted to the will of the Father, and what they gave Him as He was being crucified, how they spake against Him, how they spit on Him, how they mocked Him, how they laughed at Him, He did not revile them back. They said, oh, if you're the king of Jews, every king's got to have a robe, and they put a robe around him. (coughs) Every king's got to have a crown, so they put a crown of thorns on his head, and they forced it down and cut his head. Every king has to have a staff. They got a staff and they hit him in the face and the head with it and then gave him a a staff. He was thirsty and he asked for a drink and they gave him vinegar. They laughed at him. They mocked at him. You see these little pretty things in Catholic Church where he's hanging there and he's got a loincloth on and everything. That's not how they crucified. They were up there naked and ashamed in front of everybody and he's hanging there for us and people are walking by and they're saying, if you are the king, come down and show us. And what did he say? You know what he said? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you can't deal with your boss. Are you kidding me? Jesus is our perfect example. God's plan is to grow and mature us so we can bring Him glory throughout our life. And did it ever just occur to you that maybe He put you in your job to grow you? You see, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but He ain't going to leave you the way you are. He wants you to be like His Son. He wants you to be like Jesus. And so God's going to grow you and bring you to the place where you're like Jesus. (coughs) Suffering. Suffering is the real issue. And the real issue is this. God does three things in suffering that He does no other time. Number one, when we are suffering, we are humbled. We are humbled. I was at Children's Hospital with Anna when she was first diagnosed with diabetes. The diabetes ward was right across the hall from the cancer ward. There was like a a waiting room that had fish and everything. And I would go down and sit in there, and I would watch as they would come in and out. those, those, Those patients would come in and out. And I would speak to the parents, and we would talk. There was something about that. I never once heard... One of the parents complained about the care that they we're getting. I never heard one th- of them, one time, did they ever talk about politics and how the world was going. I never heard any of that. You know why? Because they were humbled. Humbled. Suffering humbles us. And God says that we need to be humble. God resisted the proud. And we have to be humbled. And we'll be continually humbled until we learn to live and walk in humility. Secondly, suffering purifies us. There's something that suffering will do that nothing else will do. It causes us to look inward and it causes us to look upward. And when we look inward and we look upward, we try to get ourselves to where Christ wants us to be. We need to be purified. And then lastly, suffering will keep us dependent upon God. Suffering will keep us dependent upon God. Did you ever think that God has you right where He wants you? Did you ever think that God is going to use your boss and your employment to shape you into the image of Jesus Christ? Did it ever occur to me that by taking suffering at work, I'm pleasing the Heavenly Father? And that He's going to take that patience and He's going to use it as an example to others? I've run into people before and they say, you know, I invited them to church and they say, I don't want to go to church. I said, why? I don't believe in that. They're no different than I am. I work with these guys and they claim to be Christians and they, 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 they wouldn't do their job. They thought they were better than everybody else. Is that what Christianity's become, guys? You know, what we need are we need some men and women in the place of employment that stand for Christ, that have a testimony for Jesus, that their lights are shining, and that's a great opportunity for our lights to shine, for them to see Christ in us. And our bosses, they might be oppressive and they might come upon us and listen. They might cause us to suffer. But we take that suffering because it pleases God. But it also grows us. Very rarely do we grow spiritually in good times. Very rarely. January the 1st, I've been here 20 years I grew up in the church I came from. I grew up in that church. I've only been in two churches my my life. I, I take that back. When I was a kid, before we went to church, we went to one church, but I don't ever remember it. I have seen the Tim McVeigh bombings, Oklahoma City bombings. I've seen 2001 bombings, 9/11 bombings. I've, we've got the pandemic and all this stuff we've lived through, and I've and seen how, when all these things come, how the church grows real quick. People come back to church. and In a few months, it goes back to business as usual. But you know what could really, more than any of those special services we ever had, you know what really could make a difference? Is if you and I were living examples of the testimony of Jesus Christ out there your place of employment, if people could see Jesus Christ in you. Well, preacher, I'm retired. Well, listen, what about in here when you serve the Lord? God wants us to grow our faith. And He wants us to do things the way He wants us to do things. And the real issue of this passage is submission. That's the real issue of Christianity, guys. You cannot submit if you're in control. I will submit as long as... That's not submission. (laughs) When I uh, I used to take karate, and it wasn't really karate. It was more jiu-jitsu and Aikido. And it was a lot of wrist locks and throws and stuff. And We would get in a compromised situation where it would be a wrist lock or they'd have your joint locked and you could tap out. you tap on the guy that's got a hold of you and that means let go or something's going to break. What we need to do, church, is we need to tap out from God right now to God. We need to tap out to God. We need to come to Him and we just need to say, Lord, I surrender. I'm going to be who you want me to be out there in the community. I'm going to be who you want me to be on my job. I'm going to be who you want me to be in the church. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to submit. Because that is the issue. The issue is this. And the challenge is this. My attitude towards submission. That is the challenge. If you win that battle, going to work and on in Christ is going to be easy. If you win that battle, going out in the community and honoring Christ is going to be easy. The battle is surrendering your will to His will. And that's what we need. And I know the excuses. I've heard them. I've heard them all. But preacher, but you don't understand. I've got an immoral boss that does this, this, this. Hey, I'm, I'm just telling you what God said. You don't have to convince me. I'm going to leave here in a little bit, and I'm going to go get something to eat and with the rain, and I'm, I'm probably going to take a nap. Because I'm, I'm just giving you what God wants you to have. The real issue is, are you willing to submit every area of your life to the Lord? Especially when it's oppressive. Especially when it's someone's harsh on you. That's the real issue. And you and I can be victorious if we obey the command to be submissive. Now, we know that if someone tries to order us to do something that's against the Word of God, we submit to God rather than men. But rarely does that happen. So my question is, are you willing to submit? Would you bow with me for prayer? If you're here this morning and and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior... If you're here this morning and and